I'm Jim Brown, your Bible teacher at Grace and Truth Ministries. It's December the 26th, 2021, and nobody cares about the birth of Jesus today. Right? It's not even mentioned now. First of all, Christmas has nothing to do with Jesus. Nothing. Christmas was a pagan festival called the Feast of Saturn or the Saturnalia in the ancient world. The Saturnalia was the worship of Saturn because they thought the sun god, which was Mithra, and his birthday was December the 25th, they thought the sun was burning out and was moving away from the earth because in the winter... When you get into the winter season, you get to the winter solstice, December the 21st, and that's when you have the longest nights of the year, and the earth is tilted away from the sun in the northern hemisphere. And here in Middle Tennessee, I noticed that it started getting dark at 5 o'clock this past week. It was getting dark at 5 and then the sun comes up about 6 o'clock. And that's the longest nights. And they were worshiping the sun. And December the 25th was the Natalis Solus Invicta. Natalis. This was among the pagans. Natalis Solus Invicta. And that means, Invicta means victorious of the birth of the sun. It was the birth of the unconquerable sun since it was born again and again and again every year. And they suspected that the sun was burning out. Christmas is talks about many things. Jesus was born of a virgin in Bethlehem. He is God in the human flesh. He came to save his predestinated elect family by dying on a cross for her, his wife. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Now, the English Bible says it. The wife of Christ was not an it. The word is actually, when it says it, it is actually the word a. This is in Colossians three excuse me Ephesians five twenty five Ephesians this is it's actually the word A U T Ada. A U T is the stem of the word. If the word ending is changed, if it's an omega, auto that's self and it's masculine gender. If it's an ada Anything that ends with an eta in the Greek is feminine gender. You can look in your interlinear Bible and it'll tell you exactly what the word is. That was a bad translation by the translators. Half the translators of the King James Bible were Roman Catholics. I keep saying this. The head translator of the King James Bible was a man named Lancelot Andrews. He was a Roman Catholic priest. Half the translators were Roman Catholic. And then it's talking about her. He died 
before his wife. Now let me finish reading this. Christmas is not about Jesus and never was. It is about Mithra, the sun god of the Roman Saturnalia. And it came on December the 17th and went through the 24th. The Yule log was thrown into the fire on Mother Night, which we call Christmas Eve. We don't call it. I don't even believe in it. It sprung out in the form of a tree the next morning, and the ancients said the tree was the giver of all divine gifts to man, hence the gifts under the tree. There were different forms. There was a... You have to remember, Christmas has to do with the swastika. People say, well, that sounds evil. The swastika for pagans wasn't something evil, but it was evil from a Christian viewpoint. The swastika had eight points on it, and this is what it was. You have to erase some sections of it. It was actually the Big Dipper and its four faces. Like so. And they would check the Big Dipper every three months at midnight. And this is what they come up with. You had June 2nd, midnight. And they did this at midnight every time they checked it. And then you had, I mean, it's like so. The swastika is nothing but the Big Dipper. And then you had the same thing over here. And if that's not a swastika, I'll eat my hat. That was the wheel of the year. And they, they would check it at midnight every three months, March 2nd. And then down here, <clears throat> December 2nd. They're going into the hard months. They're going into the cold weather here. And particularly in the northern hemisphere, it's freezing in a lot of the areas till they get back around to the spring or March 2nd where the crops start coming out. That was their big main point. And there were all of these, you had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight points on the swastika. There were eight festivals. This one down here was called Yule. They call that's what they call the Feast of Saturn or the Saturnalia. And what they were doing was worshiping the sun because they were losing light and it was darkness until you get back around to the spring. And the spring the crops began to come out. So they said they had to, to the pagans, during the dark months, this was their festivals. I'll keep saying this.
This was their festivals. Samhain was right here. S. S. Sam Hain. It looks like Sam Hain. But it's actually spell. It's spell. It's pronounced like S O W I N. Samhain. But it's Sam Hain. And then you had all these festivals. You had, you had the mid, the mid fires, midsummer fires, fires, and everything had to do with fire and tree worship through these dark months. I keep saying it's the same thing as this right here. I'm going to remind you of it so you'll. Hold on a second here. Let me get back over here to the... uh, It's the sun. It's the earth. The earth is tilted on its axis. It tilts as it goes around the sun. Well, let me go to this other one. It tilts as it goes around the sun. Like so. It tilts at 23 and a half degrees. I got one message I did, and I tiled it. 23 and a half degrees is the reason for the season. It tilts like that. When you get over here, you're in winter. The earth is tilting away from the sun. In the southern hemisphere, it's summer down here while it's winter up here. And then it's spring here when it's autumn here. And it goes through this ecliptic path around the sun that's the reason for Christmas that's the same thing as this right here same thing as the swastika what's amazing people don't even know that and the swastika was a good love symbol in the 1920s the swastika with the fleur de lis I never get this thing quite right The fleur de lis means flower of the lily. That was the Boy Scout symbol in the 1920s. And that's on the helmets of the New Orleans Saints. And fleur de lis, that's called a fleur, F-L-O-U-R-D-E-L-I. Fleur de lis means flower of the Lily, that was a term for the Mary of Roman Catholicism, of Roman Catholicism. So it had the, that was a Boy Scout symbol in America in the 1920s for the Boy Scouts. Now, I'm just kind of giving you some more documentation. This is the reason for Christmas right here. As at 23 and a half degrees, after, when you get back around here, then you're getting warmer in the in summer because the earth is turned toward the sun. And they were worshiping. When it got around here, they thought, well, this, this right here is the same thing as this right down here. You're going into winter. That's not March. That's June. I put March. June, July, August, September. That's September the 2nd. If you copy that down, it was wrong. September the 2nd, December the 2nd, then March the 2nd. June 2nd, this is three months apart. 
three months. Three months. They looked at it at midnight, and this is what they saw. They only saw one of them at a time, but when they put them all together, that's the swastika. Swastika is suvasti. And su means well, and it actually means it is well. It is well. And Hitler got that from the Tibetan Buddhist, Tibet. I keep saying this. He sent Himmler over to Tibet. Tibet is right next to China, Himmler. He had heard that the Tibetan people were tall and had long arms, long legs, and he those he believed those were Aryan A Y R A N or superior a superior race. And he wanted to bring them back and intermix them with his with his what he called was a superior race and he believed it was the was the Germans and the Germans were Caucasian just like me. And I'm not very superior when it comes to physical things. I can't outrun anybody and I can't throw a javelin farther than anybody. That That's silly. It's stupid. They believed that was the fallen angels that had come down from heaven. The fallen angels were, did not intermarry with women. Angels neither marry nor give it in marriage. So you get into that system of the fallen angels with angels. When you get into fallen angels with the Tibetan Buddhists that brought back the swastika from over here, and the swastika had many, many, uh, there were many brands of it. I wish Mike had a camera that could zero in on this. I don't want to put it all up on there. But you had the dextrogyrate. Dextrogyrate was when it bent the other direction. That's when it was... This was natural because the sun goes from east to west. The rebellion that Hitler brought back, he turned the swastika around, and this is against nature. He made it like this. That's the exact opposite. Sinistral gyrate, sinus, is the word left, S-I-N-I-S. Sinus is the word left in Latin, and we think of sinister, and they believe that left-handed people were evil people in the ancient world. The Jews believed that, and God sent them a left-handed man. It specifically names Ehud. He was a left-handed man. God did that for the sake of the Jews so he could say, here's a righteous judge. He's left-handed and he's going to free you from all this oppression. That's in, that, uh, that's in Judges, the third chapter. So sinister means has to do with left. And so it it goes to the left, and that was the natural way that things should go by nature. And Hitler turned it around and made it go right to the right. 
So this is called a sinistral gyrate, and this is a dextral gyrate. Dextral gyrate. So it gyrates to the right, this gyrates to the left. This is very unnatural. He was rebellious against all the world. And then you've got the gamma cross. Gamma just means the reason they call this the gamma cross was because when you take what the swastika is made of, it looks like a G. It's a capital G. This is a capital G. That's why they called it the Gamma Cross. Gamma Cross. And then you've got the you got the two of them combined. They're called the Cross of Lohengrin. Then you've got the eighth sign of the Philosopher's Square. And then you've got the Philosopher's Square. Those are all forms of the swastika. And you had the swastika had many titles. It was called Thor's Hammer. Thor's Hammer in the Scandinavian world. Thor was the champion, it was the savior, and he threw the thunderbolts. Thunderbolts against his enemy. And I've get, told you this before. I was selling real estate one time. I was rushing through the den, and the TV on was on a Saturday. And it had one of those old cheap uh, Thor movies. It was uh, was cheaper than the ones they make today. That was before they had all this technology and computers. And it was just a cheap movie. And Thor, he pointed his his hammer his Thor's hammer that's what the swastika was called and on the end of his hammer was this swastika type thing and it was made actually like this had little things on the end that's a form of it but also the the Maltese cross is a form of it. Not very good at drawing. This is called a Maltese cross or the iron cross among the Germans and they gave that to all their aces in World War II. Any man who shot down five planes became an ace and so he got the iron cross or that was also a form of the swastika. They call that the plow, P-L-O-U-G-H, in, they call it the plow in England. Depending on what culture you're in, it had many titles. It goes back into the ancient world. It was about food. What are we going to eat through the dark months? It was the same thing, as I said, as this right here. Oops, not there. And that's what it was right there. Let me get back to the... Well, that's all the same thing. Let me get it back here. 
Samaritans right there. It's the same thing as this. It looked like the sun was shrinking, but it wasn't. It was the earth moving around the sun, and it was slanted at 23 and a half degrees. Now, when Hitler sent Himmler to Tibet, he also brought back not only the swastika, but he brought back the the lightning bolts of here's the lightning bolts of Thor. He was always throwing his lightning bolts at people, and that he called that the Sigrun. And that was the sign of the S. It looks like an SS. That was a sign of the SS. And the SS was Hitler's, his hit squad. Those were the people that would kill people at any, for any reason. A man who was a lieutenant in the SS could have a general killed who was a regular army general in the German army because all he had to do was swear against him. And the SS, was they're the ones that fulfilled all of the people that were dying, and the, especially the six million Jews that died during World War II. And then that SS, you also had the fan blade that was the windmill, or the same thing as the swastika. It's hard for me to make that. And you had like this. Sorry, I'm not a better artist. But it was a like a windmill or fan blade swastika. Now I want to give you some information um, about all of this. When Hitler mixed all of this Tibetan worship with the Scandinavian worship, Scandinavia. Scandinavia is right above Europe. It is, he got mixed up with the Scandinavian people. And they had, when you're talking about Scandinavia, you're talking about Norway, Sweden, Denmark, Finland. That's what you're talking about. When you get up here, up here in Scandinavia, up here in Denmark, here's the Danes, Denmark, and Norway up here, and Sweden in this area up here also. It's real cold up here. Up there, they had... They did, uh, among the Scandinavians, they had Woden was the father of the gods up there. And Woden was, we got our word, Woden's Day. And I've got a picture in one of my books that was painted of Woden, and that's where Hitler got his mustache. Woden had a, he's riding on a white horse, riding through the sky and he's got that that goofy looking comb down that Hitler had on his head and this is his face here he had his hair combed down on his forehead 
that was he got that from Hitler. He got the mustache, the goofy looking mustache. He didn't get that from Charlie Chaplin, like a lot of people think. Woden had that same kind of mustache, and he worshipped these same gods as they worshipped in the Scandinavian countries. So he had the same mustache and the same. It's a picture of of Woden riding on a white horse across the sky. Now, there's something else I want to give you on this. When you when you research these things, let me get something over here. I've got it right here, I think. Oh, no, I don't have it right here. I had it over here somewhere. Now, I want to talk to you about St. Nicholas. St. Nicholas was a Roman Catholic bishop in the 4th century. I was going through Kroger supermarket the other day, and it's amazing they had... A magazine on the, I wish I'd have bought it. It's a magazine on the magazine shelf, and it said Santa Claus and his history. And they said basically the same thing. Somebody gave me this book along the way St. Nicholas, A Closer Look at Christmas, and people know who he was. St. Nicholas, that goofy-looking hat that flops over, that that had an evolution in it. I'm going to show you here if you can see it. St. Nicholas originally was a Roman Catholic bishop in the 4th century, and he supposedly had the... You see the that goofy-looking hat with a ball on the end of it? That had an origin and it started as the fish god let me give you this when you go back in history go back to England and you go back to Europe you can see that is a Roman Catholic mitre they call that a mitre it is a hat that's on the top of it's a mitre it's either, that's the way St. Nicholas usually, that's what he originally wore. You can see that in a lot of these pictures in this book. And they know that. Look at that right there. You see that? That's St. Nicholas with the mitre's hat. That is the fish's mouth. That's it's crazy. It's the open fish's mouth. The open mouth. Open mouth. Then they would have it closed. That would be the closed mouth of the fish when it was just a, like a cone. And all through this, you can see these pictures. They published this as a point of information. You can see that, that it's Roman Catholic. That's what he was. He was a bishop in the 4th century. And they got all these pictures. See, there he is there. 
with the Roman Catholic mitre. If you try to look up mitre, M-I-T-R-E or M-I-T-E-R, you won't find it in the regular Webster's Dictionary. You've got to go into an extensive dictionary, and I've got a bunch of those. And I looked in them last night. And mitre means it is the the hat of the bishop. It's the bishop's, they call it a bishop's mitre. Where did that come from? That came from the fish's mouth. What that was... If you read in the two Babylons, I've probably got a bunch more of those. I've got them marked in here. There's a bunch of them in here. You can see the Catholicism in it just by looking at the pictures. I wish I'd have. Uh, I wish I'd have bought that magazine at Kroger's the other day. It said Santa Claus, and I picked it up and opened it up, and it starts off saying. Santa Claus was St. Nicholas, a bishop in the 4th century. A bishop, a Roman Catholic bishop. They even tell you that on a newsstand. They don't even try to hide it. They say the same thing in here. And they'll tell you that St. Nicholas, being a Roman Catholic, he possessed all the same, possessed all of the same, uh, characteristics of Christ. He was omniscient. He was all-knowing. He was omnipresent. He was everywhere at one time. And he was all-powerful, omnipotent. That's why he knows when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows when you've been bad or good, so be good for goodness sake. He's a dead Roman Catholic bishop of the 4th century, probably burning in hell right now. And you're going to pray to him? Asking Santa Claus for gifts is like talking to the dead. That's called necromancy. The penalty for that in the Old Testament was death. I even got an article over there on Santa Claus was a demon that distributed fortunes. Demon means to distribute fortunes. And I had I was putting all those tracks in a newspaper years ago. And when I took the one down on Santa Claus, they said, we're going to have to put a disclaimer on this. I said, good. Disclaim it. Tell them you don't believe it. So they put a disclaimer on it. In other words, this is not the the belief of the newspaper. And I've... Let me tell you some things I wrote down about this Santa Claus. The closed mouth is the... The closed mouth is the dunce hat. And that is the dunce hat. I'm going to show you how it's all connected. It's the dunce hat. The dunce is the kid that doesn't know any of his lessons. And you put him over in the corner of the room. And you put that hat on him. It's called the fool's hat. Fool's hat. The reason it's the fool's hat is because during the Saturnalia from December the 17th through the 24th they picked out one man and he was going to be the king of the feast of Saturn the king of the Saturnalia and at the end of Saturn 
at the end of the feast of Saturn, this king had to die. But all the time, he's the king for seven days. He wears the fool's hat. That is actually the mitre of the cardinals and the pope. That's what it's about. So, when we talked about the priests of Baal, the priests of Baal go all the way back to the same thing that they're worshiping over here in Tibet. Every every evil doctrine I did a I made a one year I made a I made this crude little map and I showed that Babylon I showed that Babylon being the mother of harlots according to Revelation 17 and 5 and I started with Babylon that's where all idolatry comes from. Being the mother of harlots, the word harlot means idolatry. So she was the mother of all idolatry in the world. That was when Noah came out of the ark in Genesis, the sixth chapter, he builds an ark, comes out in chapter 9. When he comes out in the ark in chapter 11, that's where Babylon is founded. And Everything that's in the world, everything comes out of Babylon, including what Israel was going after, Baal and the grove. Baal and the grove. That's the sun and the tree god. Everybody in the world was worshiping some form of the sun and tree gods, including the Ostrogoths and the Visigoths, the Huns and the Vandals and the Burgundians. All these these various tribes were rampaging across the European continent. They came from the Far East, from Mongolia, over in that area, and from Tibet. And they were coming over here, and Constantine thought they were going to overrun Rome. And he was already having trouble with the Christians around the world, and he couldn't stop them. They multiplying at such a great rate. He said, "I got to do something to solve all this. Otherwise, these these Huns and Vandals will come in and conquer Rome." Well, the ones that he was really had to be afraid of was the Visigoths. The Visigoths were the most barbaric of all of them. They lived on horseback, and they were. I always think of the Comanches in Texas. Comanches. Comanches were some of the most barbaric of all the Indian tribes of America. They had no mercy. They killed everything that was white that come their way. They would slaughter and butcher and strip hide off. And they lived on horseback and they rampaged through the country. That's where the Visigoths were. They say that the Visigoths, I don't know why they were more dangerous than the Goths or the Ostrogoths, but they were. They said they lived on horseback and they could be riding along. They had no saddles. They could pull a bow and arrow out and hit a target at 50 yards with no problem. They were really dangerous. And that's what, it was those kind of people that Constantine was afraid of. So he issued the Edict of Toleration. 
and what he said, what we're going to do. And this is the very foundation of the Roman Catholic Church. Tolerating one another. Putting up with these guys coming in here. He's telling them, you can come into the church at Rome and telling the Christians, you can come in and you can be friends. That's what Christmas is about. Go to your neighbors, go to your kinfolks, be friendly with them, and don't anybody be divisive. Just hug everybody. Church of Christ that believe you've got to be dipped in water by a Church of Christ preacher. Hug a Baptist who believe you have to accept Christ and pray a sinner's prayer. And accept each other's doctrine. Well, they ought to do anyway. And accept the Catholics who say you've got to eat Jesus. That's what the edict of toleration. That's what we've got in the world today. And we call it political correctness. That's letting people do what they want to do. We are exactly opposite of that. The Bible says, Have no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness, but rather rebuke them. That's in Ephesians, the fifth chapter. Second John 10 says, If any man comes bringing any other doctrine, Christmas or Easter, or getting along with everybody, do not bid him Godspeed. Caro. Caro is the word Godspeed. comes from charis, which is the word grace. It means don't be gracious to him. You can be polite to him. Don't be cutting and abusive to people. But just be firm and just be gentle and say, Christmas is pagan. You don't need to be doing it if you're a believer and if you can hear. If they can't hear, don't fight them. We're not supposed to fight people that can't hear. And the Bible says, do not bid them God's speed. If you bid them God's speed, you are partaker of their evil deeds. And you will partake of their judgments. You may not be a lost person, but if fire is coming down from heaven and you're in the middle of their you're in the middle of fellowshipping with them, it's going to come down on you too. And like I said on this paper, I've got Babylon, if Babylon mothered all idol worship, then if you are a Buddhist, it comes out of Babylon. If you are a a Hindu, that comes out of Babylon. Do you know that if you go talk to the Hindus, they'll say they worship their ancestors. The Buddhists will say they worship their ancestors. Everybody's involved in ancestor worship. The Jews said demons, D-A-I-M-O-N-I-O-N, was their ancestors. And they and the when you cross the border in the first century and you leave Israel and you go into the Arab countries, they would say genies are their ancestors. Genies. Genie comes from the word gene, and that certainly is their ancestry. And if you live in England and you're fellowshipping with the Druids, Druid, Druid, D-R-U, uh, 
IDS. And the Druids would tell you that fairies are their ancestors, are their fallen angels. Everybody's looking for the fallen angels to connect them to something. That's what Hitler was looking for when he sent Himmler to Tibet. He's looking for the fallen angels. He believed the Tibetans were the fallen angels. It's so dumb. Even some Baptists in America believe the same thing Hitler believed. Believe the fallen angels intermarried with women. That's ridiculous. Angels neither marry nor given in marriage. And if they did, and if they were giants, Nephilim, N-E-P-H-I-Y-L-I-M, Nephilim, Nephilim means bullies or tyrants. That is not talking about fallen angels intermarrying. Notice all these things are connected together. They're all you can't leave the subject of one of them. You go right into something else. You go into the tall white pointed hats. The priests of Baal wore tall white pointed hats and white sheets. Yes. The clan, Christmas and the clan are come out of the same source. And if you're black and you celebrate Christmas, you're crazy. You don't know where it comes from. The clan and Christmas come from the same place. And the priests of Baal hated Jews more than they hated anybody. So they hated the Jews before they hated the blacks. Priests of Baal wore tall white pointed hats. They worshipped a flaming cross on what you what we call what they call Lady Day. Lady Day in the ancient world. I've even got papers on that up here. On Lady Day, and this cross was flaming. Doesn't the clan come out and burn a cross in your yard? If you say the wrong thing, do the wrong thing. But they hated Jews first. They gosh, I want to say so many things. When when Elijah faced the priests of Baal, and this is in First Kings, the eighteenth chapter. And you can read this out of Alfred Edersheim's book. Uh, Old Testament Bible History. He's going to give you some information about the history of the Jews. This is Alfred Edersheim. He was born in 1825, died in 1889. He was a Jew converted to Christianity. And he's retained a lot of the culture and custom of the Jews. Let me read something to you out of this. All right. Let me see here. I've got to find where it is. All right. Let me read this to you. This is Alfred Edersheim. Died last, died in 1889. And he can't be talking about the clan. Because he's talking about when Elijah went up on Mount Carmel 
and to meet these 450 priests of Baal and he brings out that the priest of the Ashtaroth or the tree deities of Jezebel didn't show up that day and and uh, Elijah starts making fun of the priests of Baal they're doing the same thing that that man was doing in Luke 8 Mark 5 and Matthew 8 they were cutting themselves all over bleeding all over the sacrifice Elijah said I'll tell you what we'll do we'll build an altar and uh, you call on your God however long it takes and let the God that answers by fire let him be the fire God you talk about Baal let's let the God that answers by fire he'll be the God and so they get up there and they jump up and down on that altar and scream and holler and cut themselves and Elijah starts making fun of them he says perhaps your God is asleep you need to yell louder people say you shouldn't make fun of these people Jim I'll make fun of Kenneth Copeland guys an ignoramus he got on the he's on the internet blowing the coronavirus away this is a couple of years ago and it hasn't gone away yet Kenny he's going curse you virus curse you. he's cursing the pestilence of God that's what he's cursing he's an idiot and so Elijah's making fun of him says Perhaps he's on a journey and he can't hear you. You've got to wait till he comes back home. You need to read that. In, I think it's hilarious when, when I read it. It's funny. I want to meet Elijah and say congratulations for telling those charismatics off. Because they had to be charismatics. They had special gifts from their God. So he says, maybe he's going to relieve himself. Maybe you're God and he's telling them all of these things, making fun of of the priests of Baal. And here's what he says about them. This is what Mr. Edersheim says. Among those who on that day had gathered under the olives of that shady plateau, just beneath the topmost peak, they were in Mount Carmel, the 400 priests of Ashtart were not found. Ashtart is another name for Asherah or the grove priest. They weren't there. Those were Jezebel's favorite priestesses. Whether they had shrunk from the encounter, had deemed it inconsistent with the wishes of their personal patronage, the queen, which is Jezebel, to appear on such an occasion, certain it is that they were not with their 450 colleagues of Baal, of the priesthood of Baal. These must have been conspicuous and amid King Courtiers and the motley gathering of from all parts of the land by their white dresses and high-pointed hats. They were dressed just like the KKK. And that comes from Alfred Edersheim. Old Testament History of Israel by Alfred Edersheim. He gives you some extra things about their history that you're not going to know. So if you are black and you're celebrating Christmas, don't be such a fool. Stop that. What you're doing, you're giving credibility what formed the clan. Except they hated the Jews back then 
more than they hated blacks. That was their first week. Oh, by the way, they hate the Jews today, don't they? It's just utterly crazy what people believe. Now, the fish god, the most famous fish god in the ancient world was Tammuz. Tammuz and Dagon were both fish gods. Dagon was the fish god of the Philistines. Dagon. Let me write this down. Dagon was the fish god. That has to do with the tall white pointed hats or the open mouth of the fish. And the reason they worshipped the fish god is they called Noah when the pagans got a hold of the fact that Noah came out of the flood, they called him the great fish. He was the fish god. So what they did, they polluted the memory of Noah. It's much the same thing when Gideon died and he had this gold ephod that he had made. They took the gold ephod, which was supposed to be righteous. It was the covering of the chest of the priest. They took it and set it on a stand and began to worship it. It's the same thing as when when the Lord raised up uh, a pole in the wilderness and had a serpent on it. It was a, a bronze pole that they were they began to worship that. And God said, Whoever looked at that lived. Well they weren't supposed to worship it. So they began to worship Noah, a righteous man, and they were unrighteous, and they called their fish god Dagon, Dagon or Tammuz. Tammuz was a fish god. Let me see if I got something on him here. This comes out of, I love the information you can get out of either the McClinic and Strong or the Hastings Encyclopedia. This comes out of Hastings Encyclopedia of Religion. That's how much I study. I mark up, I make copies of the paper and then I mark them all up. Now let me tell you what Tammuz means. Now we know that Tammuz was an ancient personification of the son of the springtime. His name consisting of Sumerian phrase Dumuzi. We're talking about Tammuz. Tammuz is the same thing as Dumu. D-U-M-U dash Z. Now he was a sun god or fire god Now, you have to have the sun to have crops. This is how they polluted everything. He was the true or faithful son of the deep, of the waters. And it takes water. It takes water and sun, and they knew that, to have crops to grow. So he was a sun and a fish god. 
It was a combination of the two. That's who he was. And that he was the first lover of Ishtar. Ishtar is our word Easter. And I've already told you how the women wept for Tammuz for 40 days. That was the end of that was the end of Mardi Gras, means Fat Tuesday. Notice how all these things go together. Mardi Gras was Fat Tuesday because they had the same thing for the Celts. Not the Celts, excuse me, the Franks. The French. When you say Frank, you're talking about the French. And France is a Roman Catholic country, isn't it? France is right here. That's a Roman Catholic country, right? That's easy to figure out. So, he was the god of the deep, and he was the he was the lover of Ishtar, which is another name for Easter, or Ashtart, or Ashtaroth. These are all the same, different spellings, different cultures. Asherah. And Asher is the grove, that's the word grove, and that was the tree goddess. Grove, that was the tree god, and it takes wood from the tree to give flame to the fire, doesn't it? Notice that all is just a convolution. And he goes on to say, and that was the first lover of Ishtar. Tammuz is connected with Easter. When you go into... Ezekiel, the 8th chapter, you see the women weeping for Tammuz. The word Tammuz is in the Bible. Weeping for Tammuz. They've had a 40-day period. They wept for Tammuz. Forty days they wept for Tammuz. Right before that was a seven-day festival among the Franks. The same thing as the seven days in Rome that they call the Feast of Saturn. Feast of Saturn. And they had a king of the Saturn, Saturnalia, and they had a king of this Mardi Gras. And when you go to New Orleans, they got a king of the Mardi Gras. And he also had to die at the end of Mardi Gras. Just like the man over here and the the king of the Saturnalia had to die at the end of the Saturnalia. Jim, this is all such a mess. You're right, it's a mess. And they took all this and worshipped it. And they're still having the same. Mardi Gras and Christmas are the same thing. You don't like Mardi Gras, you bunch of Baptists, and you think it's evil and wicked. Well, you celebrate Christmas, it's the same thing. And you, people go out and get drunk and have affairs on their wives and break their marriage vows. And and you want to be part of the same thing, you bunch of Baptists. You want to be the, part of the same thing as some party going on downtown where people are having a Christmas party and they're, they're disavowing their marriage vows and having affairs with women. 
and men. I don't even understand people not even studying these things. I've got so much information on this. I can't tell you how much I've got. I've got a library packed full of stuff. All I'm doing is pulling this stuff out and throwing it at you. And Tammuz, at the end of the 40 days, on March 15th, on February 15th, they began to, they ended on February 14th. They called that Fat Tuesday for seven days. They had sexual promiscuity, sex mammal animals with women and men with men and women with women and men with animals. And they were doing all of this debaucherous stuff for that seven-day period. And the same seven days was in Rome. This was seven days among the Franks of France. And then on the on the seventh day, the the man that was king of the Mardi Gras did everything he wanted to do sexually in every other way. And then he had to die. And that's why it's called Fat Tuesday. It ended on Tuesday. Mardi Gras is the word Fat Tuesday. And the next day, they started mourning for, that would be on a Wednesday, the Roman Catholics brought the 40 days in and renamed that Lent. And then they brought in this 40 days was Lent. And they called, that's where you give up something that you're, that you don't want to keep doing, that you're so involved in. And maybe you want to give up beer or smoking for 40 days. Usually it would be something like Brussels sprouts or something that they didn't like. And for 40 days, and they brought that in and called it Lent. They called that Wednesday Ash Wednesday. They started weeping for Tammuz for 40 days. And that ended on on March the 25th. And they called that March 25th on Friday. They called that the Day of Annunciation in the Catholic Church. They have annunciation. That's because they announced on that day the birth of the pagan Messiah on December the 25th, exactly nine months later to the day, nine months, which is the gestation period of a baby in the womb, so that the Son God could be born on December the 25th. It's, it's insane. Christmas is insanity. And you guys want to do it and say, we're going to use this season to glorify God. Jesus doesn't want his name on an ancient orgy. What is wrong with you preachers? If I can study this, I haven't studied this a few weeks. I've been studying the origins of Christmas for 40, 45 years. I mean, and I found out it was pagan when I was a kid at 12 years old living in Fort Worth, Texas. And I've told you all the stories so many times. But there may be somebody watching that has never heard it before. I was 12 years old in 1951. I had never heard of a television before in my life. My family had never heard of it. Bill Hunter, who was in the 
he was in the grade ahead of me with my brother, Clyde. And Clyde came home and said, Bill Hunter's daddy bought a television. We said, what's that? He said, it's a movie in a house. We said, what are you talking about? Well, it's a big box and it's got a screen on it and you can watch movies on it. It sounded crazy to us. My father went out and bought a big box about this big, about like that. It had an 8-inch screen on it. And every once in a while, that screen would go out and the horizontal would go like that. You had to reach around the back of the TV and take the horizontal hole and cut it back so it would straighten up. And we could only watch CBS and NBC. ABC was a fledgling network, hadn't really got started yet. So there, needless to say, was no cable. We had rabbit ears. And we'd watch everything. We'd turn all the lights out. It'd be pitch dark. We watched I Love Lucy because she started her TV show in 1951, just about the time we got that TV. And we thought she was so funny. We'd watch I Love Lucy. And we watched wrestling on Monday night, Monday or Tuesday night, I can't remember. And that came from the Sportatorium down in North Fort Worth. That was right across from the stockyards, and it stunk down there. Golly, Whew. they was bringing cattle in from all over Texas, and we lived not far from the stockyard. When the wind shifted towards our house. You couldn't hardly stand it. The smell was so unbelievable. But anyway, we'd watch all these things. We'd watch the Midnight Mass. I've always analyzed everything. Even as a little kid, I was sitting there watching the Midnight Mass on Christmas Eve, saying to myself, Is this Christ's Mass? Nobody had told me that. I'm just looking at it saying, is this Christ's Mass? Is this Roman Catholicism? I only had two things I could connect it with. Miss Underwood, my third grade teacher, had told us in class one day, the maypole tree is paganism, but it's connected, but the Christmas tree is related to that. It's the same thing. And I could remember that, and then I knew my father was going to a church to listen to a converted Roman Catholic priest. He was talking about the evils the Catholic Church would do and how you couldn't get out of it once you went into it. And this guy had been converted priest of Roman Catholicism. I remember his first name was Albert. That's all I can remember. My father would come home and tell us things. And I'm sitting there evaluating, this is Roman Catholicism, it's Christmas. And I would say to myself, if Santa Claus is coming tonight, I think another name for him is St. Nicholas. We all knew that was Santa Claus. And I think he's a Roman Catholic priest or something like that. And later on, as I studied, I found out he was a 4th century Roman Catholic bishop. And some of the historians believe because he gave gifts to the children, he was a pedophile. There's nothing righteous about Christmas. Anyway, so when you go into that 8th chapter of Ezekiel, 
it talks about since the Roman Catholics brought the 40 days weeping for Tammuz let me read that one more time to you let's just read it one more time and you have to know what's happening Ezekiel the 8th chapter you say Jim you've said this before well there may be people watching this tape that's never heard it before so in Ezekiel the 8th chapter the fact that the Catholics brought in weeping for Tammuz for 40 days until March the 25th exactly 9 months before the birth of the pagan Messiah on December the 25th that's that's astounding to me now it'll tell you right here this is 600 years before Mary or Jesus is born there's a sunrise service happening here and it's paganism sunrise services are pagan and let's start reading here he tells all about Israel Ezekiel is over in Babylon the angel is showing things that are happening over here in Israel and the temple showing how the Israel is polluting the temple of God if this is the temple and this is the veil and here's the candlesticks there's a table of showbread and there's the Ark of the Covenant and here's the brazen sea and up here is the the altar where they offered all their all their things and then he says here I like reading this and let's start reading here in verse 9 and God said unto me go in and behold the wicked abominations that they do speaking of Israel and the priests of Israel the sons of Aaron so I went and saw and behold every form of creeping thing and abominable beast and all the idols of the house of Israel these are idols of Israel not of pagans verse 10 and portrayed upon the wall round about they had embossed them on the wall carved them in the wall of the temple and there stood before them seventy men of the ancients of the house of Israel in the midst of them stood Jeazaniah the son of Shaphan with every man his censer in his hand and a thick cloud of incense went up and they're offering that to evil gods not to Jehovah God and they're priests of Israel not foreign priests they're priests of the Levites then said he unto me son of man hast thou seen what the ancients of the house of Israel he's not talking about pagans he's talking about priests of Israel what they do in the dark he calls this darkness because everything that's not true is dark every man in his chambers of his imagery for they say the Lord seeth us not they're saying God don't know what we're doing that's what people say today God does not know he does not care if you'll notice that phrase it's they use it all through the Old Testament when Israel's going after these gods it says in Jeremiah the 23rd chapter he does not see he does not care and over in the book of Psalms I believe it's 39 they say 
the God that sees all things, he's the one that's doing this to you. The Lord seeth us not, and the Lord hath forsaken the earth. And he said also unto me, Turn thee yet again, and you're going to see greater abominations than these. So the following verses is going to be greater abominations. Abomination means to stink in God's nostrils. Then he brought me to the door of the gate of the Lord's house, which was toward the north. He's talking about the north gate of Israel's house. He's talking about on this side, there was an enclosed area for the house of Israel. There was a gate up here, and he's talking about in the north gate of the house of God, that's his tabernacle, his temple. Then he brought me into the door of the gate of the Lord's house, which was toward the north. And behold, there sat women weeping for Tammuz for 40 days. This is not pagans. This is Israel weeping for the fish god, the sun god. Because he's been dead for 40 days or he's dying 40 days. History will tell you about Tammuz. Then said he unto me, Hast thou seen this, O son of man? Turn thee yet again, and thou shalt see greater abominations than these women weeping for Tammuz. And he brought me into the inner court of the Lord's house. The inner court of the Lord's house. If this is the Lord's house here, and it was surrounded by these four walls, the inner court would be somewhere in this area here. Here's the brazen sea. There's the altar, the veil, candlesticks, and so forth. Table of showbread, the altar of incense, the Ark of the Covenant here. Somewhere in this area, he says, he brought me to the inner... You've got to remember, Ezekiel is over here in Babylon... And the angel of the Lord is coming to him, showing what's happening in Israel. And this is the worst of the worst, he says. This is a greater abomination than anything you've seen yet. And he brought me to the inner court of the Lord's house, and behold, at the door of the temple of the Lord, that would be right here. Solomon's porch was right there. And he says brought me to the inner court and behold at the door of the temple of the Lord between the porch right here and the altar stood 25 men facing the east the sun was coming up rising between the porch and the altar were about 5 and 20 men with their backs toward the temple the temple faced the east West was here, north was here, south was here. They had their backs toward the temple, facing the east. And their backs toward the temple of the Lord. And their faces toward the east as they worshipped the sun, toward the east as it was rising. That's what the Catholic Church does. When the priest takes the Eucharist, notice how he's holding it. Here's a Roman Catholic book. 
they always hold it. They start down here, and here's what they do. They raise it like the sun is rising. That's the Eucharist there. He's going to raise it up as a picture of the sun. That's the Eucharist. And the Bible preaches against Israel offering wafers, sacrificial wafers. They offer wafers to the sun. Wafers to the Queen of Heaven. And who is not familiar with the Mary of Roman Catholicism? She is not she is not the Mary of the Bible. She's the Mary of Roman Catholicism. She is Aphrodite. She is Milita. Milita means female mediator or it actually means mediatrix a mediatrix is a female mediator there's one mediator between God and man the man Christ Jesus Aphrodite means wrath this is the meaning of her name wrath subduer They say that Aphrodite can subdue the wrath of her sun god, Mithra. And that's what Mileta could do. And Mary is the same thing in Roman Catholicism. She supposedly subdues the wrath of Jesus. Jesus doesn't have wrath. The Father has wrath. There's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. What they did, they changed Aphrodite's name and Milita's name to Mary and gave her the same attributes as Aphrodite and as Milita. It's how can a world be this polluted and confused? Why is it I can find out all these things? And there's a picture here right here this is a Roman Catholic book it's called Inside Catholicism it's got a picture here of Mary being assumed into heaven without dying they said because she was immaculately conceived have you ever heard of the immaculate conception people think the immaculate conception is talking about the conception of Jesus in the womb of Mary. It's not. Among the Catholics, it's talking about the conception of Mary, and she was said to be conceived without sin. How can that be when she had Jesus in her womb, and she meets her cousin, uh, John the Baptist's wife, Elizabeth, and, and Mary makes the statement, my soul doth rejoice in God, my Savior that's in my womb. She's told that person in her womb, her Savior. If she was in need of a Savior, she had sin. 
The Roman Catholic Church didn't come up with the Immaculate Conception, Immaculate Conception, till I was 11 years old. I was 11 in 1950 when they came up with the Immaculate Conception that Mary was immaculately conceived. They came up with the with the Immaculate Conception in 18, about 1856. How, how did it take them that, that long to find out that Mary was conceived without sin? She said she had sin. That's what the Mary of the Bible says. We are just... I don't know why I can find... I had a young guy come here one time. And I brought out this book and he said, that's a book that they give to all new students in seminaries that are going to be Roman Catholic priests so they can kind of get used to it. And it goes into all of this. It's got Our Lady of Guadalupe here and all those flames around her. That's the same thing as a halo. It's the sun God behind her. And only children see these pictures of these, have these encounters, the Lady of Magigori, Our Lady of the Lourdes, and it's always children that sear off somewhere. And he never did, God never came to children to reveal himself. And when Our Lady of Lourdes, one account was, I don't know, it was Lourdes or Magigori. That's in Port- that's in Portugal. One of them, they said, you can get this out of the book, All Roads Lead to Rome. They said the sun went round and round in a circle and came down close to earth. Well, if the sun came down close to earth, it would have all been burnt to a crisp. <laughs> they said that back years ago before I knew much about science. And the kids said that. It's just crazy. How much time do I have, Mike? Fifteen. I was going to get back. I want to ask you something. What is a merry little Christmas? Is that a little tiny Christmas that's cute? Is that a little tiny eating human flesh? You only eat half the Eucharist, so it's a merry little Christ Mass. Merry means means to have fun and to be amusing. Amusing means no thinking. And I had a guy call me this morning, and he from up in up north. I think his name was Will, and he said, "Well, talk to me for a while." I said, "I got to go teach." He said, "Okay." He said, "Before you go, I want you to have a no thinking cannibalism, okay?" <laughs> I said, same to you. (laughs) All right. Now, we've talked about the mitre, the form of the, that hat that Santa Claus wears that flops down. Before it flops down, it's it's the fish's mouth with a little ball on top, and it falls over. It's the same. It's it evolved out of the. It comes from the fish's mouth. It's all Roman Catholic. People ask me, "Who's the man of sin going to be?" I say, "Well, the most popular man in the world has always been the Pope. 
Pope means Papa, means Father. And all of the early church fathers that were leading uh, people like Irenaeus and and uh, can't think of all their names, but they were these were called popes of the church, papas of the church, or fathers of the church. I told you about the white pointed hats. Like I said, everybody wants to forget their differences and get along with everybody at Christmas. Most of them can't get along the way it is. Most people can't hardly get along. I've got a I got a thing on the flaming on the fiery cross. When the clan comes out and burns a cross in your yard, they usually it's a fiery cross. The cross the cross came in many forms. When it came in this form right here, according to Galatians, the fourth chapter, the cross that Jesus died on was a cursed cross, a cursed tree. And the cross stands for Tammuz. They actually took their one of their gods and crucified you on his cross, the cursed tree. And I've got this out of this is out of this is out of uh, uh, two Babylons. Let me just read a little bit of it. There's reason to believe that the pagan festival of burning lamps was observed in commemoration of the ancient fire worship. So there is a ceremony at Rome in the Easter week, Ishtar week, which is unmistakable act of fire worship when a cross of fire is the grand object of worship. This ceremony is the graphically described by the authoress of Rome in the 19th century. The effect of the blazing cross of fire suspended from the dome above the confession of the tomb of St. Peter's Basilica, which is Roman Catholic, was strikingly brilliant at night. That's in the, that's in the two Babylons. I've got so much more on this. I wish I could give you all of it. I just don't have time to do it all. Christmas is a time to make everybody feel good, isn't it? No matter whether they've killed somebody, whether they believe lies or not. The Bible says we're not to have any fellowship with these people. There's, I've got a whole list of things about this is a paper I send everybody and it's got all these verses down here on the bottom of it how you're to separate from all unbelievers you're not supposed to be mean to them you're supposed to understand that if they're unbelievers they're, you're not to have any fellowship with them people ask me how do I deal with my family straight to the point Say, Mom, I want to tell you why I'm believing what I'm believing. I'm not trying to convert you. I don't even care if you're converted because it'll be God that converts you if you're converted. So I want you to listen to this DVD 
I want you to watch it all the way through and pay attention to it. After it's over, I'll never mention it to you again because there'll be enough truth on one message to convert God's elect family. And just tell them that way. Say, I'm not interested in your conversion. It'll be God that does that. And let me read you another verse here. This is one of my favorites about in Second Corinthians, the sixth chapter. This is how you're not... When your people want you to come over for Christmas dinner, and why can't we just get together for family's sake? Here's what the Bible says. Second Corinthians 6, verse 14. Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord, well, I like that word concord, hath Christ with Belial? What symphoneo? Symphoneo. This is the word concord. Sum, P-H-O-N-E-O. Sum means fellowship, blending together. And phoneo, phoneo is our word phone. And it means voice. When you answer the phone, you answer the voice on the other end. And sum what fellowship sum with the voice of others? What there's a discord there. When you're playing music, you gotta have a one, three, and a five chord on a guitar or on a on piano. You can augment those chords by having a sixth or a seventh or a ninth chord. Those are what's called modern harmony. A lot of people don't hear that, don't understand it. But if you discord something, you have a chord that something doesn't belong there, it's lang, it doesn't blend. There's no blending with people who are discording. Now let's read the rest of this. What concord hath Christ with Belial? And what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God, which temple ye are, with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in you and walk in them. I'll dwell in them and walk in them. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among your kinfolks and your friends... And be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. I won't receive you if you blend with the world. That's not what we're supposed to be doing. I've got a whole list of these verses. I don't have time to go through all of them, but they'll all tell you if a man... To mark, the Bible says to mark them which cause divisions and offenses that are contrary to the doctrines that ye have learned and avoid these people. Avoid, eklino means to lean away from them. 
And that's an imperative command in the Greek in Romans sixteen seventeen. You're not supposed to be around them at Christmas time or Easter or any other time. You can tell them what you believe. You can do it gently and kindly, but firmly. And say, I'm sorry, but I can't come to your house for this pagan dinner you're doing. And maybe you don't know it's dinner. And you say it's for Jesus, but you can't do that. There's, do I have any time, Mike? There's a verse that I love more than any verse on this. And this is Deuteronomy 12. I tell you this every time I read it. This is my favorite verse about not going around the pagans. Deuteronomy 12. Deuteronomy is right before Israel is entering into the land to repossess the land. They've been in the wilderness for 40 years. And here's what God tells them. I love this here. He says, when you go into the land, you shall teach your children. Speaking unto them in verse 19. When thou sittest in thine house. Oops, wait a minute, I'm in the wrong chapter. In verse 29 of chapter 12. When the Lord thy God shall cut off the nations from before you, and you're entering the land, you'll go across the Jordan River. God parts the Jordan the same way he did the Red Sea. And thou succeedest these Ammonites and these Perizzites and these Jebusites and these Canaanites, these pagan fire and tree worshippers, and you dwell in their land, take heed to thyself that thou not be snared by these pagans. Drive them out of the land or kill them, get rid of them. After that they be destroyed from before thee, And thou inquire not after their gods, saying, Don't inquire after their tree god or their sun gods and say this, How did these nations serve their gods? Even so will I do likewise. He's saying here, he's not saying don't serve their gods. He's saying don't do the things they did. Don't keep the pagan customs of giving gifts and putting up a tree and hanging out lights to curse the darkness. He said, don't do it. Thou shalt not do so unto the Lord thy God. When you do it, you're doing it unto God, denying Him. For every abomination to the Lord which He hateth have they done unto their gods. For even their sons and their daughters had they burned in the fire to their gods in the valley of Tophet, southeast of Jerusalem, while the children are screaming. And the word Tophet comes from the word Toph, T-O-P-H, which is the word drum. They drummed their drums so loud that while the children were dying, and you can see them killing them in Deuteronomy, the 19th chapter, and the children are screaming at the top of their lungs while their mothers and fathers are burning them in the fire in Tophet to Moloch and to Milcom and to Malcolm. What things soever I command you observe to do it. Thou shalt not add thereto nor diminish from it. Add means to augment. Add anything to the word of God. Don't add Christmas to the word. It's paganism. And don't subtract, don't diminish 
That word diminish is the word gara, G-A-R-A. It means to shave off any part of God's word. Remember Proverbs 30. I believe it's verse 5. The Bible says, The word of God is pure. Don't add to it. Uses the same word, Yasaf. If you add to it, you're going to be found to be a liar. When you add Christmas to the word of God and you say you're doing it for Jesus, you're doing it for another Jesus, another spirit, another gospel. It's not the Jesus of the Bible. He says, I will not share my glory with anybody, much less another Jesus. In order to obey God, you have to be obedient to his word. I've got so, y'all know that I've got tons of information on this that I haven't even given to you. There's so much. I don't know why I can learn it and the Baptist preachers can't figure it out. Well, let's pray. Father, thank you for the truth. God, help us during these hard times to continue in your word, regardless of the cost. We pray that you'll deal with us. Give us strength to stand everywhere for your truth. Even when the Christmas season is over, it's still here. We'll praise you for all things, fight our battles. You know what they are. We'll give you praise in Christ's name. Amen. I wish I could tell you all everything. I can't get to it all. And there's so much detail to all of this. I don't think you can get it one time around. Do you all? It's too much. How can I figure these things out and read it out of books? Some of the best history books. These books here, McClinic and Strong, that's as good as you get. And you can get that on the Internet. You can just Google. Encyclopedia of Biblical, Theological, and Ecclesiastical Literature. Just Google or have your search engine search for McClinic and Strong Encyclopedias. And it's there. Give you each volume and tell you all about it. Mr. Edersheim is one of the best writers that ever lived. He is fantastic. He is, being a Jew, he knows Jewishness. He's the one I learned so much about the Passover from. It was a Passover. It wasn't crackers and grape juice. Good night, you guys. If the Passover is here forever, like Exodus 12 says, then it's still here. It's spiritual. It's not crackers and grape juice. Good night. I've, I've never been to school to learn any of this. I'm not saying that in boast. God has given me a hunger for the truth. I'll read anything, study anything, and I won't believe everything I read. I'll evaluate it and see if it's right. Did you know I could preach on Christmas all year long because Christmas is everything that Bell and the Grove is about or all the other gods that people went after in the Bible. 
just about everything. In fact, one year I did preach on Christmas, probably for half a year.